And um, good evening to HY Dyslexia Podcast. Uh, it's such a privilege to um, have you all join us. Um, I say good evening because we're actually doing this podcast in an evening and we are based in London and it's evening at the moment. So this is all I can say. But if you are listening to this, po- this post- podcast and you wherever you're living, where you live at the moment, whether it's um, United States, whether it's Australia, whether it's um, anywhere else, if it's morning, then good morning. If it's afternoon, then good afternoon. And if it's evening, then good evening. Welcome to um, our podcast series. And today we're talking about dyslexia, mental health and well-being during COVID-19 pandemic. Now we've been kindly um, funded by Wombedon Foundation. So um, we are actually serving the UK population, if I, if I can use that word. But you never know, podcasts can end up anywhere. So for that reason, uh, we welcome everybody that's listening to this podcast at the moment. Um, we have the lovely Rachel Farr. Rachel, have I said your name right? Your surname? Rachel Fahim. Don't Fahim. worry, I'm Irish. Oh, right. Rachel Fahim. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. We're speaking to the lovely Rachel Fahim, who's um, got MSc Psychology in Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Trainer assist in brackets a yoga alliance professional and um also work as a mental health advisor in further education sorry higher education um rachel welcome to hy dyslexia podcast um and today's topic it's really really amazing uh, during this pandemic there's so many people that are worried about their mental well-being um and i think it's really important that we've got you in um, at this podcast to talk about what we should be doing and um, how to look after ourselves, really. But before I start that, I'd like to um, tell a little bit more of our listeners a little bit more about your background so they get the, um, the picture of um, who you are. So Rachel is mental health advisor in higher education, a qualified yoga teacher and an adult with dyslexia. So she actually has the condition herself, dyslexia condition. In her role as a mental health advisor, she assists, assists um, university students support needs and recommends reasonable adjustment to help them manage the effect that their mental health condition may have on their academic studies and emotional health. Now, just so that our viewers be aware, I do have severe dyslexia. So as I'm reading certain words, I might stumble over them or I might pronounce them slightly different, but let's see how I go with this. So she um, you know, helps with adjustment, may cover exam, assessment arrangements, coursework and then suggested methods of teaching delivery. She also provides specialist one-to-one mentoring for students with mental health conditions. Mentoring may include enabling the student to plan their workload, develop strategies to manage stress and anxiety, discussing potential triggers for relapse, identifying self-help resources and looking after their well-being from a holistic approach. Outside of this, she teaches yoga based on mindful, compassion, compassionate and inclusive approach. Wow, that was such a mouthful. <laughs> I should have got you to read it, Rachel, rather than me. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. Um, I have read a little bit about you, but it'd be great for our listeners to hear a little bit about, you know, what you do on a daily basis with, with the students and also in your yoga classes. 
Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Um, as you said, I, I do have dyslexia myself, so this is a topic close to my heart and um, I'm really looking forward to speaking to you about this today. Um, yes, I, I've worked in higher education. I can't believe it. I was looking at my LinkedIn because everybody forgets when they start something, don't they? And it's five years now, five years that I've been in, in this type of role as a mental health advisor. Um, and I have the privilege of working with students in universities, um, working with them to support them through their studies. And it's so lovely because it's not like working in other areas of mental health because you're you're really traveling along a journey with them. It's a journey of their education. And yes, you see them learn and go through first year, third, second year, third year, but actually they grow and develop so much as people over that time. And it's really rewarding to support students with mental health conditions to be able to achieve their potential um, while they're at university and then to see them graduate. So it's a really, really rewarding job. I feel really, really lucky. I like it. Um, I like it a lot. And I get to do some other great things as well, like training staff and um, also just promoting good mental health and well-being. Wonderful. Um, so what, what made you go into this area of work? Why, why did you specialise in, in mental health? Um, or why did you become a mental health practitioner, so to speak? What made you want to do that? It's really funny. I kind of fell into it. <laughs> Um, when I first came out of university, I had two jobs and um, one was working in a further education college with students and I just absolutely loved working with students. I, I, I found myself really torn. And then my other job was um, an assistant psychologist uh, working in uh, treatment resistant schizophrenic ward. So it was working in mental health. And I just felt like I really love the two of these and I can't figure out whether I want to work in mental health or whether I want to be in teaching or education. And I tried lots of different things over the years. Um, I even taught English in China for a while just to test it out. And um, I just I was lucky enough that when I decided to make a career change, this type of role came up at a university and I saw it and I thought, wow, love of learning and mental health. I thought this this is really me. Mm -hmm. And of course, at this stage, you didn't know you had dyslexia yourself until later on in your studies. Yeah, I actually, um, I didn't really know, I suppose, until, well, I think it probably only started to become a bit more clear when I did my master's, actually, and it became the big piece of work. Mm -hmm. And I got someone I knew, like you do, to just proofread your, your thesis. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if it if a lay person can understand a psychology thesis, then you're doing pretty well. <laughs> and then it kind of starts to become a bit clearer, actually, that maybe some of the areas that I've been challenged in before and had strategies and coping mechanisms, they weren't really able to adapt as easily to this level of work. And it just starts to become a bit more obvious. Um, but luckily at the time, I, I actually got through my studies and it was actually when I went into work that... I went for my assessment and um, got my, my diagnosis further on down the line. So it was um, quite a long journey, but I'm really glad that I did. Mm. How was it for you when you find out you've got dyslexia? And I mean, had you gone through like anxiety or, or panic attack or, or depression or anything like that prior to being diagnosed? Had you ever been through anything like that? Or did you sew through your studies and then you felt for your master's you needed a bit more help? I would 
Yeah, I'd never say I sailed through my studies. <laughs> I think I had to work quite hard. Um, definitely not. I think um, I I just seem to, to just pick strategies from all these different places. I I was I remember my dad used to say, "You're a very adaptive creature." In Ireland, creature is a term of endearment, and <laughs> you see, you just adapt. And my my parents being in in education and things like that, there was there was always this idea that well, if you can't learn this way, why don't you try this way? And so. At the time, I just kind of picked up different strategies and I kind of wondered little things along the way. Why do I, I need to do it a bit differently to everyone else? What? Why do I like colours? Um, and, and, and I think actually it's funny because when I went and studied my master's, I, I took on everything, all the cognitive psychology, all the different strategies. They'd say, that, this is a strategy. It's like, oh, I'll try that. Oh, that looks good. I'll try that. I was always picking things up as I went along. It was kind of like I liked problem solving. How do I help myself to remember this? Or how do I make it stand out more on the paper for me? Or how do I improve my spelling? Mm-hmm. Wow. Still struggle with some, some though, schizophrenia. And uh, I, I did spell psychology wrong an awful lot on my notes yeah. at the very beginning of university. <laughs> yeah, no, I still spell psychology wrong. I still can't, for some reason, can't seem to spell that word. You know, Um, and like I was explaining when I was reading your biography, that was um, a huge struggle. But I thought I've got to finish that somehow. Um, And that's purely due to my my dyslexia and and, um, other specific learning difficulties. So let's dive straight into the podcast. It's great to find out a little bit about your background. So our listeners get sort of an understanding of who you are and the kind of work you do. So tell me something, Rachel, what are some of the signs of mental health? What are some of the things we should be looking out for? So I suppose nowadays the term mental health really changed and and we all have a a, a mental health, so emotional well-being. And um, really it's about recognising that we'll always have times in our lives where sometimes things will be good and sometimes things will be bad. And, And it's about really watching out for when they move over to a more severe level actually or or if things are ongoing for a long period of time that's really a sign that things are becoming a mental health difficulty and potentially later on down the road perhaps a mental health condition and I think one of the things I always say to people is this sounds odd but look out for change you know change in the behavior of yourself or someone else Um, I think no longer enjoying the activities you always enjoyed is a really big one as well you know and 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 just checking in really about your sleep your eating thinking about if you're worrying more are you thinking more about things do you feel that you're more tearful have things changed and if so is it that they've increased or they've decreased you know and, and, and I guess as an individual, are you able to kind of look at yourself and think, oh, I'm actually going through this repetitiveness of doing something, the same thing over and over again. For example, I'm a bit frightful of coming out the house because of COVID-19. Um, I've got this message from the government to wear a mask. Uh, should I be wearing it all the time? Should I not be wearing it all the time? Um, you know, with everything that's happening around COVID-19 at the moment, I'd be very honest with you, I use me as an example. What I hear on the news is don't do it, I, I would just not do it. You see, it's literally, um, I'm just sticking to the rules. And I think it's having a huge impact on me. 
And when I say that, it's because even if someone walked past me, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe they should walk so close to me. And I, I bet I'm not even the only one who's going through this at the moment. So if this become repetitive for me, would I then be able to go and seek for help? Or do I, how would I know that I've got, I'm, I'm developing signs of maybe a mental health condition? How would I know? Is it when it becomes repetitive? Well, it's really, it's, it's a really good question because actually right now is, it's just not like anything we've ever seen before. So it's completely normal for all of us actually to struggle a bit more at the moment. But it's about it. If it's starting to have a negative impact on your life and you notice it, then definitely, yeah, reach out for support. If others start to notice that in some way it's negatively impacting you, reach out for support. Even if you're unsure, you can still talk to your GP about it and they can still think with you about whether they need to assess you now or whether it needs to be an assessment with the GP and a referral onwards. There's there's no harm in reaching out for support. And if if you feel that it's somehow impacting on you negatively, then it's it's definitely important actually to reach out and be proactive rather than waiting until you develop the symptoms of a condition um, further down the line. Because actually that's that's better than actually treatment further down the line. Absolutely. Being proactive is, is the most important Absolutely. thing. I think mental health is something that is quite difficult to measure, isn't it? Because I'll give you an example. Um, if I'm going out, I, like, I lock the door and then I think, have I actually locked it? So I'll get downstairs and then I'll come back and I'll check it again. Um, and then I'll say to my daughter, go and check it again. You know, I, it's becoming a little bit repetitive, if I must say. But I'm only checking the door. So if that became something that I kept doing, would you say maybe go for help? Perhaps. If, perhaps if it was something that you kept yeah. doing, yeah, you might also just take some time to think about what's underlying yes. that. And, and you might be the first step. Or it may be um, accessing one of the talking therapies, yeah. so the um, the IAP services as well, mm. um, which you can do. Usually you can refer yourself or you can be referred by your GP. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah if it's starting to become a bit repetitive, because it sounds like that's a worry yeah. for you, you know? <laughs> yes. That's become a worry. Yeah. yeah, okay. So in terms of, let's relate to, to dyslexia and specific learning. So if someone have dyslexia in the rat feather education and they felt like, I mean, I've met people that are OCD about their work. So they'll type, they'll delete, they'll type it again, they'll delete it. And, and then, you know, I'm saying to them, it looks fine. But there's someone that actually isn't. It's got to be perfect. This is when you come in, I guess, to give them the help and the support and reassure them that what they're doing is fine. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's the, is that the kind of work you do? Yeah. So sometimes, yes. So my primary focus is, is working with students with mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. But as you've rightly pointed out, um, you can have more than one condition, actually, and that it's quite common for students to, or, or clients, really, to have um, a mental health diagnosis and a specific learning difference diagnosis. And it can affect things like confidence. It can affect things like perfectionism, procrastination, or uh, avoidance. And, and we do work with um, clients to try and help them work on strategies to manage that, because that's the important thing. You still want to be able to get on with your day-to-day tasks, whether that's studying or whether that's at work. 
you want to still be able to overcome that. Wow, thank you for that. That's really awesome. It's giving me a very clear picture because um, I think a lot of people don't quite understand um, the, 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 the condition of mental health. I mean, statistically, is it like one in four that would have mental health condition or has that stats changed from time? Or? I would say, well, I would say that stats probably changed a bit more recently um, because obviously this is a really, really challenging time. Um, it's quite a difficult thing to measure, actually. And one in four is, is, is generally what they say. Um, but obviously, I think that um, if, if you're really re into your research, you'll know that sometimes it's not always clear whether people are talking about mental health difficulties or mental health conditions. Sure. Both are really important and both really need support. So, but it, so it can be one in four, but it might not always mean a diagnosed exactly, condition. Exactly, yeah. And of course, there's a huge stigma around mental health as well, isn't it? Particularly from certain groups of communities where it's, you couldn't loosely talk about, um, you know, mental health or going for help. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're right in that sense. We probably wouldn't have the right statistics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. Some people find it really hard to go for help, help because actually the stigma turns them off trying to reach out mm. what would be what would be your advice for something like that in terms of stigma people sort of feeling ashamed to go forward for help i think it's quite common actually to feel ashamed um to reach out for help but i would say actually that it's quite brave mm. and courageous to to reach out for help because you're having to talk about your vulnerability mm. That's not easy. Most people would like to pretend it's not there. And, and reaching out for support is actually courageous. And when you do, usually you will find that there are lots of doors, whether it's professional support or social support, lots of doors open for you. Absolutely. I, I agree with you entirely on that. That's a really useful information to have. So our listeners, if you're listening right now, um, Rachel's telling us some of the um, support that we can get, the help that's available. If you're feeling like you may have um, mental health condition or mental health, um, you need support in any area, do not forget to please reach out to your GP or if you're at university, speak to your student support. Um, if you're in a workplace, please do go and speak to your HR managers. I know we're all working remotely at the moment, but do seek for the help because the more help you go for, the better your lifestyle will be. Yeah. So Rachel, I'm just going to move on to our next question now. How do we take care of our mental health and well-being with dyslexia during COVID-19? What are some of the things that we can do to take care? I think the first thing is be realistic, acknowledge the current situation. You know, this is just unheard of. We have a global pandemic. We had a lockdown. We had an ease of lockdown. There's a psychological toll to that. There's an economic toll. Even our physical health, gets, you know, takes a bit of a toll with that. And and working from home is different to to working in, in your own environment. And I think Maybe, maybe you have this experience, but I certainly experienced that there's so much written information now that the written information is just, I'm almost becoming saturated with it because we're not, you know, working in the same way that we would have before. So I think that's really important to acknowledge that this situation is quite challenging. The other things that we can do to really look after our mental health during this time is to just take some time to check in about how we're feeling 
how we're feeling cognitively. So how is our thinking? Are we able to concentrate today? How are we feeling emotionally? And, and how are we feeling physically? Because it can be a really good sign of what you need to help you. I, I'm, I'm a real firm believer, though, in, in the basics. I think you have to get your basic needs met. In order to have good mental health, you need good physical health. And that means making sure that you're getting enough sleep, eating well, drinking water, moving. You know, I think they're really, really important. I also, I really advocate trying to get outside and, and doing things that you enjoy to try and be in the moment. Really, really important at this time for looking after your mental health. Over this time as well, I think there's some other little intricacies that have always been good for your mental health, but they're more important and need a little bit more thought right now. And I think connecting with others is one of them because actually we're connecting a bit more virtually, but sometimes when we connect in person, it can be really challenging and anxiety provoking. And it's we have to think about things that we didn't think about before. Do we communicate with them? Oh, I'm not hugging, I'm not comfortable with that, or I'd rather eat outside. You know, there's a little bit more to think about and I, I would encourage people to keep your connections but just communicate beforehand what your level of comfort is with what you're doing or how you're going to be around each other you know, really really important I don't know if you found that as well oh, absolutely yes absolutely to be honest with you during COVID-19 the one thing that I've, I probably took for granted but during the lockdown I thought family so important to have your family near you. Um, obviously it was difficult because of social distancing, but when the lockdown was eased, I think we all ran to mum. <laughs> we all ran to mum for cuddle because um, as much as she's elderly, we would just wanted to just love her for, you know, um, being a mother. And I've just realized that having family is really important. Friends, of course. Um, obviously we, we can't socialize like I'm used to, but, you know, if you can meet a friend, social distancing, that was um, something that I found really useful. And then I developed, all of a sudden, I just developed love in nature. So I would go for long walks and as I'm walking, I can hear the birds singing and it, looking at the flowers and the trees. And I just didn't even realise I had the passion for those things, you know, things like nature. And um, Sounds like you were really in the moment. Yes, I was. You are really some, some proper mindfulness there. <laughs> I was, yeah. And it just took me to a different sort of angle completely. And it's made me love, um, you know, the things that I took for granted. You know, I really wouldn't have seen a tree and admire it, but I do now. You know, or flowers or, or the birds singing or go to the pond and see the, the, the ducks. And, the, and it's just so amazing. And I definitely second what you said about, you know, living in the moment and enjoying the surroundings. Um, and it did help my mental health, um, sort of, um, I don't have mental health issues, but it did help my well-being. Yeah. yeah of course, of course. I think there's a lot we kind of have to think about at this time as well, because as well, it's, it's about recognising what causes you anxiety at this time. And we do have to be a bit more mindful about how much news we listen to, how much we read about coronavirus or... Um, about impacts on the economy and things like that. It's about really 
recognizing actually if this is raising your anxiety levels or your stress levels then maybe you need to limit this a little bit or if you're obsessively kind of checking these these things like numbers and trying to limit it a bit as well is really helpful during this time i guess for you know anyone who's got dyslexia the main the, the a lot of calls that we've had is obviously schools were closed and um, universities were closed and colleges were closed so we had particularly final year students a lot sort of ringing in emailing you know i'm right in the middle of my end of my um studies i'm panicking what do i do and it was quite um, a bit daunting um, particularly for all students but if you've got specific learning difficulties that would have been a real challenge um so at the time obviously it was all locked down there's nothing we could have done however you know we kind of signpost them to mind and all the sort of mental health um, charities and um, you know the best way they can cope really and like you said COVID-19 is strange to everybody um, and I totally agree with you the less news the less social media um, you know you, you, then you think about other things do all the things you love yeah so I definitely agree yeah. with you on that the things you enjoy and you love yeah. so where can people um with dyslexia access support in education first of all the workplace or in their personal life so i'll start with education because i know you support students in this area um so other people listening where should they go if they're at university at the moment where should they go for help so if you're at university your university will normally have a disability service or they may have what's called a neurodiversity service or team. And these teams uh, you can register with, they usually provide adjustments. And, and this is really something that's there to help you overcome the barriers that perhaps your specific learning difference um, causes you either when you're, you're learning or when you're being assessed. And, and that's really, really helpful. And there's a lot of uh, study skills supports available and things like that as well. Uh, further education usually has something similar. It, it may not have the same name, but there's usually a learning support department uh, there to support your your studies, really, to help you through that time. And, and as well, there's usually um, other great resources like Student Minds, where you can access support to try and help you manage any of the, the normal worries that you may have or any concerns that you may have about uh, your well-being or your mental health so there's a lot of different supports there available for students diagnosed with dyslexia um i think if, if students as well need other types of emotional support usually most universities and colleges will have a counseling team um certainly universities usually have mental health advisors as well uh, who can also support them mm -hmm. and if any parents listening at the moment and they feel like their child may need or they might see signs or telltale signs of their children, their child being withdrawn or not doing normal activities they're doing. What advice would you give to that parent who's listening at the moment? Yeah. I think it's it's good to try and talk to your children about their well-being, their mental health, mm. to make them feel that they can talk to you about how they feel and, and that it's okay, that there's there's no judgment. I have to caveat it though, because we always, even I, I find when I do my personal mm. life, I, I 
trying, I'm almost jumping in and not listening. And that's the first thing I know from my role. <laughs> listen, don't try to problem solve everything immediately. Sometimes people need someone to listen to. And that's really important. And then just giving them the support to facilitate them going on to access more support. So saying, you know, helping them think about how they problem solve or go to the GP, how they get to the GP, how they get this next level of support as well. <laughs> I think that's really important. Open conversations. Wonderful. That's really awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. Now, my last question. Uh, can you give us four top tips of how we can take care of our well-being as dyslexics? Just four. No more than four. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You may have already covered some already, but just four points that we can walk away with. Yeah. I, I thought about what's kind of happening now a little bit with this, and I thought, you know, four things for looking after your well-being during dyslexia. Know what works best for you. You're an individual, you will have individual strategies to manage your dyslexia and, and individual strategies to manage your well-being. So think about what works best for you. I think right now, because we're working from home, another really good piece of advice would be make your environment carry some of your cognitive load. Things are challenging enough right now. <laughs> make your environment work for you, and whether that means making sure that you have your your to-do list out in a certain way or you have your whole work area organized in a certain way to manage your day and make you feel a little bit more organized and less stressed and, and perhaps more um, confident in your ability moving forward. And that's even for students as well, just trying to help yourself take some of that pressure off. I think another thing is be kind to yourself. It's so easy to beat ourselves up over little things, mistakes. Yeah. So it's, it's so easy to do that and you would never do it to friends. So try to be kind to yourself and, and take breaks, especially when having dyslexia, I experience sometimes um, fluctuation, you know, where I'm just, whew, I can't, can't read any more information. <laughs> I've just had a full day of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it can really, it can really make you feel so tired and weak. And I've learned to just say to myself, okay, that's enough for today. I'll leave it for today and then I'll do the rest tomorrow. Whilst there's some time ago, I couldn't leave it. I had to finish it off. Um, but I've, during working from home and working remotely, it's made me realise that I do need to take breaks and I do need to finish at a certain time. And I said, there'll always be tomorrow, is what I've always said to myself. Um, because be kind to yourself is the, is the most important thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I agree with you on that one. Definitely. Wonderful. I had one more. My last one is, and this is a big thing for me, I think, with, with confidence and dyslexia and looking after your well-being and, and, and not letting any any little mistakes, um, I suppose, t- take you back or pull you back. It's to really reframe the whole idea of I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Reframe it to I work best when. Mm-hmm. Because you, there'll be a way that you work best. And that that way will bring out the best in you. So just trying to make sure that you don't get stuck on that. I can't do that. Think about, well, how would I work best on that, actually? What would help me to achieve that goal? Wonderful. I think they were my four top tips for trying to think about looking after your well-being 
for dyslexics during this time period especially. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel, for um, taking part in HY Dyslexia podcast, kindly funded by Wombardin Foundation. We want to really just say thank you um, and thank you to our listeners and the four top tips that Rachel shared with us, I hope, and anybody who's listening will be able to take a leaf out of one of them at least and maybe write it and stick it on your on your fridge or in front of your mirror or something <laughs> to remind you that you know we do need to take care of our well-being and our mental health and we are number one look after yourself before you can look after others is normally what i say and i want to say thank you so much rachel for coming on um our podcast and um keep up the wonderful work you're doing and if anybody wants to connect with you because i know you do yoga as well um of course we'll share your linkedin page and your your, um social media and we take it from there so thank you for your time thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure it's so lovely to speak to a like-minded individual it's great awesome thank you very much and thank you to our listeners next week we'll be back with a different topic same time same place look after your mental health look after your well-being and stay safe The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast is funded by the Wimbledon Foundation and presented by Elizabeth Tashi. It's produced by Salt and Pepper Productions.